Good morning, rock stars from coast to coast. We we are the most. No, we give we you give a toast. toast. Oh, we give you. To- <laughs> I love it. I just, we got to work on that. We got to practice. No. We got, but. You are listening to Rutten Radio. Gosh. I am Joe Rutten, the host of Rutten Radio. I'm the director of the Benedictine Leadership Institute and Faculty of Theology at Mount Marty University, and I'm joined, as always, by the Brothers Rutten. I am Father John Rutten, pastor <laughs> of St. John Paul II Parish in Harrisburg, South Dakota. And I'm Father Paul Rutten, pastor of St. Mary Parish in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. This is awesome. It's a good thing they don't pay us for this. <laughs> <laughs> we probably should pay them. Yeah, that's actually a good thing uh, oh, to keep in mind. That is yeah. fantastic. This is so much fun. I tell you, every time I do this, I just it's like the best part of the month outside of obviously when the you things s- that really matter, like my family. And- what do you mean by this? <laughs> uh, I mean the beginning of Rutten Radio, <laughs> this whole yeah. little dynamic of how we get going and off the ground and watching the like, oh. Out of Paul, like the, oh, I can't control him and I have to let him do my, and then the thing over, John's like, fighting him. Yeah, like, I can feel him wanting to tell me how to do it, like, that's not how it's supposed to be done, or, you know, I'm over here and I got the, you know, I'm the host, so too bad. Well, I can assure you of one thing that uh, now that we have podcasting abilities on what meets? Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and your Alexa device. Yeah, so you can easily go find us on those, and you can go back and listen to all of them. And I've been listening to a lot of them because I'm the one that uploaded all yeah. the old episodes. <laughs> thank you have you. no idea how many hours were spent on that. You can say it one more time. Uh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you are the greatest next to Jesus Christ. You are well, welcome. Okay, so in doing that, and his mother about every other episode, we have this exact same conversation. The exact same thing. Yeah, you do your thing. I do my thing. Paul does his thing. And we're all like, this is really something. And at a point, I'm like, I wonder if anybody's like, would you guys just like give it up? Like get over it, you know? But what I can say is, I think I'm glad you've stuck with it. (laughs) Persevered. Yeah, because there is something to it. Uh, But I also know that um, I just want to be me. So there was an episode where I was like... I'm going to be grumpy and I'm, I'm not going to let you make me happy. And I'm not going <laughs> to, and you know what? That was a really good episode. So sometimes I think, you know, I was glad I, I could I, be me. I remember that episode. It's yeah. <laughs> like, you can be like, happy all you want. John's growly. <laughs> oh, the uglies. Remember Aunt Mary. So, oh, anyway, God so by you. this, you mean the introduction to yeah, Rutten Every yeah, month yeah. you look oh, forward to this. this is so fun. Well, so I have fun. found it is important that you have someone who can kind of like get you out of yourself. Gotta get you know? excited, baby. Yeah, it's like icebreakers. There's a reason you do icebreakers when you're doing ministry. You need to like, just like get over yourself. And then all of a sudden, everything kind of flows And a the funny better. part is, Father John, the number one thing I hate about retreats for young people is icebreakers. Ice yeah, I was on Net Ministries, did not like icebreaking. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> how about I just give talks? <laughs> so this this is a great way of showing how the, the program has impact is our confirmation program, just like straight, simple judgments, where's Christ, pray, da-da-da-da-da. This year, you know what I told Sarah? We should really maybe have some icebreakers. <laughs> wow. wow. I know. And I really and, can, 
And are you going to help lead those no. sprayers? <laughs> no. Oh, that was quick. <laughs> no. 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 Anyway. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, brothers, how we doing? September, by the way. Like, holy smokes, where'd the summer go? Yeah. yeah. What do you guys got going on? Well, school's open. Our masses are filling up. And the summer's coming to a close. <sighs> well, actually, <laughs> it's like... The only thing I want to come to a close is Corona. Virus, <laughs> that doesn't seem the to corona be close. Yeah. The Corona close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that seems yeah. to be uh, running yeah. around. Father John, what have you been up to? Uh, life is full. I really don't have much to to contribute except what, what I just did. I mean, there's like so many plates spinning in my life right now oh. that I can't really, if I told you one thing, the other three would fall off my finger maybe. Oh, okay. um, and All that's right. not totally true, but uh, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, pastor of a new parish and there's like every time you guys have coronavirus imagine what coronavirus does to you at the university imagine what coronavirus does to you at a parish imagine having structures and changes and everything that you can't really easily you got to be very tentative move very cautiously and uh because you're so, in a high school auditorium yeah we're in a high school auditorium we're in a rented office chapel space and we're in a lutheran church on saturday uh and we now will need an event center we got to start using on a more regular basis. And then, like, where does parish council? It's just, you know. Sounds like so, something some for a priest that's organized. Is that you have strength? You get an organizer <laughs> and, like, <laughs> I, I'm a recovering, organized person. Yeah, so that, I have that, enough that in it to it. make it all work. But The Lord uh, equips the called. He doesn't call the equipped. Yeah. At, at 1030 <laughs> when it's the end of the night. This cat goes to bed now. Right, right, right. That's a hard thing to do, turn that brain off. Well, awesome. Here we go for September's edition of Rutten Radio. You can find us on Rutten Radio Facebook and interact with us. We'd love to get your feedback. Let us know, you know, if you're out there, where you're listening from. We should do that. Like, if you're out there listening from Salem, South Dakota, boom, put a little Facebook (laughs) thing in and say, Salem, South Dakota, what's up, right? If you're over in China, you know, maybe you're just... We're global, baby. So yeah. let's uh, get Chinese, <laughs> get some, uh, get some worldwide representation on Facebook, and we now have, as Father John mentioned, the app. And so you can get Rutten Radio app on your phone. You can find us in all of the uh, app places that you find those things. I think we should go the other direction, though. My friends are from Ghana and oh, from Ghana. Italy, yeah. and Paul went to school in Italy. I think our Connections are over that way, not to the West. I, and I got a friend in Chinese Chinese Islamabad, and I'm going to be like, listen, get on Facebook now. <laughs> so <laughs> just to get, prove you're yeah, right. Just to get a re- well, no, to get representation. Oh, oh. Let's do this. So anyway. All right. Well, movie of the month for <laughs> September. <laughs> oh, what, are you, what are you laughing about? I'm laughing there. at you. What got uh, you? It's like, sh- do you put something in that root beer? <laughs> Oh, you're really uh, off to a start. All right. All right. You know what I, you know what I think's happening right now? Can I <laughs> Father Paul's like Paul is going to just stay on start. track and get the show moving. Please. <laughs> oh, oh, oh so, lord. So this is this is what I, I this is what I, this is what I think is happening. <laughs> Uh, 
it's like I'll, church where you're not supposed to be laughing. Right. But I can't help because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so okay, let's jump into let's, let's jump into the movie, and then we'll come back to. I think sure. I know what just happened. So that'll be the right. end of the All right. good. What so. just happened? <laughs> so the movie of the month. <laughs> Oh, oh, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy. All right, here we go. Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring, uh, came out in 2001. So it's one of those things that either you know it or you don't. Uh, and if you don't, you look at the book and you think, there's no way I'm going to know this. If you remember the movies, it's three over two hour long movies if you get the normal, but if you have like us, the extended version, this is nearly three, three hours, hours for these movies. Um, but it is an ancient ring thought lost for centuries has been found and through a strange twist of false fate has been given to a small hobbit named Frodo. And so we begin to follow Frodo on his adventure to destroy the ring. So yeah, it's great. And... Uh, so this is it, the beginning. So right. this is the, the this fellowship is the, of the ring. Uh, so this is the beginning of getting them together. This group right. of people who are on a, a journey to Mordor, an adventure where the ring needs to be destroyed. Right, and this ring gives all power to the holder. Right. So you discover that there were these rings made, uh, and one ring rules them all, and this is the one. What kind of genre would you describe this movie as? Not really sci-fi, but it's not a re. It's not reality. It's a. It's a mythology yeah, almost. Yeah, it's, it's mythology. Uh, yeah. It's like a myth Star Wars in it's myth, sense. It's uh, myth in its true sense. Right. Yep. Yep. Yes. Um, yeah. There's deeper realities that are meant to absolutely. convey tr- uh, yeah. tr- real sp- truths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And you, if you've not read the book, uh, you you know, people were like shocked. They're like, oh my gosh, this is where all these other stories come from. It's sort of like the grandfather of stories. Right. Right. And uh, J.R. Tolkien, the author himself, is like literally a linguistic genius. Yep. Uh, he creates this entire world. He like creates Along with peoples and like lang- right, right in the languages. So right. every uh, creature has its own land and its own language and culture and tradition, uh, tradition. and stories. Right. Yeah, and the language is a real language, uh, so much so that apparently, and I didn't look into it exactly, but apparently Tolkien made some grammatical errors, uh, and the people who read the books who learned the language picked up on him and then let him know that he actually had made grammatical errors in his own language that he created. That's too much time. Crazy. Right, (laughs) right, right. Not by Tolkien. Right, by, <laughs> by, the by the people that are able to correct Tolkien's. Uh, so in this epic adventure, uh, there's these rings. There's one that controls them all. The holder, ha- you know, get great power over everybody. And so it's kind of a, a movement of the darkness is beginning to grow as this ring has been revealed. And there, the hop, there, there's this these hobbits, the small hobbits, and a fellowship. There's an elf and a dwarf and a, a, a human. There's and yep. there's these different creatures. And out of everybody that's good, there's a group of nine that's called the fellowship. And they've been selected to head off on the adventure to take the ring, which right. Frodo Baggins, one of the hobbits, possesses yep. to destroy it in the fires from which it came. Yes. That sound like a good synopsis? Yep. 
Father and, John, uh, you got anything to add? Yeah, just the the warnings of it. It's fairly. There's some violent scenes in it, um, and there's a few points where young children definitely. Some of the characters, I don't know, might give nightmares or might make uh, younger kids. But otherwise, for the most part, right, it's right. good. And it is difficult to follow sometimes <clears throat> the names. Yep. Um, because number one, they some of them have many names. Number two, they uh, are oftentimes in different languages, and but generally speaking, as we talk through the next hour, uh, we'll try and say uh, Gimli the Dwarf, maybe right. if we can to kind of help uh, listeners out there. Because even I find myself, I've watched, I've read the books, and I've watched it. I'm like, who was Boromir again? Which one? Was, right. You know. Yeah. Uh, so just uh, that that helpful little hint as we jump in with our initial thoughts on the first of the three in the trilogy. The Fellowship of the Ring. Who wants to go first? I found many dynamics that obviously are Christian in nature. The whole movie is basically an allegory of of Christianity. And I kept thinking, though, we live in, in a culture where you might be watching this movie and not have all of that. For me, I'm finding these things and I'm like, oh, that's a Christ figure. And oh, this is the true state of human nature because of original sin. And oh, this is... Uh, but to watch it from a perspective where someone wouldn't have all that and would just be looking at it according to their own life and able to really see these things are me. And one of those uh, dynamics where I found that was um, Gandalf says to Frodo, you must trust yourself. He says, trust your own strength. And I thought that's a very modern kind of thing to say today is trust your own strength, you know, and you can just see the little billboards that everybody has on, on the house or going out the front door, you know, trust your own strength, you know, yeah. uh, that, so that really was moving that that's true. You do have to trust your own strength, but then also in it was, uh, a part where he said, uh, he, um, I can't remember exactly the exchange, but it said that we can think we're in, um, in front of the ring, I think is it, uh, more, now the people, the the not the main guy, not the main human, Bormir, Bormir. Yep. Right? Bormir is uh, thinking he can handle the power of the ring. Mm. And it's really fascinating to see how people think they're strong in front of this ring and they don't realize they're actually really weak. And so they're getting connected and they're getting drawn into it. Everybody else can kind of see what's happening, but not them. Right. And so there's this part where, like, that's true. That's not just because of Christianity. That's the things that we live. If you look, oh, yeah, I'm sometimes the last one to see where I'm weak, uh, and somebody else could kind of tell me that. And so I just see that the movie is Christian in nature, but it also is human in nature in a way that then you can come back and then see the Christ figure in it all. I think that's a great insight, Um you know, I kind of work in a couple of different worlds in education. One of them is in the coaching and leadership sphere. And the reality is, is that people pay to have coaches. I mean, they pay for mentors, um, partly because they understand in humility that they themselves aren't always the best observer of their own life. Right. And that they need a mirror. They need somebody else on the outside giving observation to their life to give them an assessment. And I always enjoyed spiritual direction from uh, great priests that didn't necessarily tell me how to do anything. All they did was listen to me share my story and they observed my life because I lived in community with them. And then they offered insights that they might be having or suggestions mm -hmm. that they might have based upon their observations. And that 
sense, I think, is a very good point for all of us in our own lives. Who is it that is our mentor, our coach, our, our person that is our guide, right? The advocate, one, the Holy Spirit was given to us. Do we walk with the advocate? Do we know that we don't have to just pull up our own bootstraps on our own and trust our own strength alone? We've been given gifts and strength, but boy, we've got the advocate, the grace of God and the sacrifice of Christ to be present to us. And then Christ is present in those around us, and God gives us brothers and sisters in Christ to walk with us like the road to Emmaus. It's great insight. Father Paul? Yeah. Uh, again, I, what I found somewhat challenging was the fact that I had read the books first. And I think for so many people, we, the book was, you know, you had already imagined characters, you imagined story. I mean, so it was hard uh, to be able to to navigate those two worlds together. Uh, but they did a phenomenal job. Like uh, the cinematography is out of this world. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so it really helped just sort of take you out of everything, just kind of drop you right into the middle of Middle Earth uh, and to be able to see all these things. Um, and it taps into this, I think, reality that we all want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And we all want some glorious adventure uh, that just gives our life this purpose and meaning. And uh, and we're all going to be a part of it somehow, you know, like think about kids in the neighborhood. You know, like you go out bike ride and you'd all be riding around somewhere. And, you know, you just like, there's just this sort of like group mentality that they capture so well uh, in the midst of it all. I, uh, even 10 years later, after the movie was made, the cinematography is still yeah, top shelf. It's, it's amazing. Like, yeah, it's, it was, it's, you know, I suppose Star Wars to some degree. At, at some point it ages out, right? Or yeah. the technology. But yeah, the I movie's almost like, 20 years, right? No, 10, isn't it? Was it or no, it's 2001. Oh, 20, yeah, 20 years. My bad. My apologies. My apologies. That's 20 years, right? Two decades. Yeah, and you know, and I think still part of watched it, in yeah. an epic manner. Yeah, but part, part of it, I think, was they utilized the special effects not in the same way that like a Star Wars did. And so I don't think right. the special effects aged in the same way. They just gave you this glorious place. Mm. Uh, it may, you know, maybe like Avatar, some of Avatar stuff, but um, it's still amazing. I mean, it's still unbelievable. I, uh, Paul, I watched it, my, or I read the books as well before I watched the movies. I actually, I don't know if I should say wasted. It's probably not the right word for this, but in some some ways I'm like, did I really spend almost two weeks in Rome? Reading books? Reading this book? <laughs> but when I was abroad for, sure. for a seminary, for university, I was over there for a, week, for a semester, and I somehow came across the trilogy in a one volume. I'm almost positive it was in a one volume. And I read the thing like I was binging Netflix. <laughs> right before there was such a thing. <laughs> oh, man. It just like completely pulled me in. I hadn't been pulled into a book like that in a long, long time. And the imagination of like the trees, I still remember what, and that's yet to come in the next one, which we'll do next month. Uh, I think the two towers is where the trees really come to be a central figure in the story. But I remember my imagination of thinking, what are the tree, you know, what the trees yep. are like. And then in the movie, I'm like, he nailed it. Yeah. He nailed yeah. the trees. Yeah. Right? yeah Peter Jackson. The, phenomenal. Uh, and so from that standpoint, it was, it was fascinating to get enraptured in a story and a narrative again in reading. I, I found that just outstanding. Um, I probably could have went and visited San Giovanni Rotundo and Padre Pio's place <laughs> or a whole host of other places, but instead here I am reading, you know, Lord of the Rings. Um, 
it was and the characters. The characters are fantastic. They they just did a fantastic job. But the fact that it was three hours long, and not once do I remember stopping and saying, "Man, this thing's dragging on." Mm-hmm. It just it just pulled me along the entire way. Yep. So, uh, Peter Jackson, outstanding, fantastic film. If we were to look at, at some of the insights, the things that you found within the movie itself that kind of uh, began to spark an interest or a curiosity in you, uh, what kind of insights would you begin to talk about or think about in relationship to the movie? Well, I um, see uh, the need to recognize evil is in the world in order to understand first what to do with it. That if we don't realize there is something here that is destructive to me, right? We can kind of live a little protected. And I'm thinking like our modern culture, we all you know, open up our garage doors, we leave our garage doors, we go do our thing for the day, we get our back in our vehicles, we eat dinner, go back to bed, you know, that yep. kind of world. Yep. You can kind of forget, no, there's like something truly wrong. And like when we turn on the news, well, now we can like segment our news in which you don't have to see that, you know, isn't it interesting? Now you actually, we may be getting less news. For a while, everybody was getting all kinds of news, but you get less news, less real representation of what's going on. There's problems deep in humanity. And um, when you look at those problems, you say, oh my gosh, there's evil here. And when you realize that, then you can decide what you do in front of it. And I thought Gandalf, um, we see a couple of things that, number one, you have to know yourself. Yep. You have to know who you are. Gandalf knows to reject that ring. And, and he knows that it, there's a mission here, but he in that house, remember he's in sure. that house and uh, Frodo wants to give him the ring so that he doesn't have to deal with it. And he's like, get away from me. Or, you know, right, yeah. Has, no, yeah. Uh, so the, he knows himself. And then he knows, so know there's evil, know yourself, and then you know how to respond. Because Frodo then has to do the thing he doesn't want to do. Right. Which is, you're the one that has a mission, kid. <laughs> and he's like, and what does he say as a person? Uh, I wish the ring had never come to me. Right. I wish the ring had never come to me. Well, this is God's will. I mean, this is the will for him. And we can see in our own lives, like God's will is wrapped up in what we do each day and how we live. And sure, maybe I don't want it. I mean, you know, maybe there's days, Joe, you're like, it'd be really nice to be a priest and just have <laughs> life easy because they only have to work a couple days. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, but then you say, this is God's will for me. And, and I, I wish, you know, so that's what I can see is know, know that it exists. And I think St. Ignatius says what Gandalf's position is that can help us resist evil promptly. If, if things are tugging at us, if you have a part in your life that you sort of fall to a lot, uh, n- nip it in the bud, right? In the beginning, St. Ignatius reminds us, and then it flees and one way, if you feel, if you're so weak under an ability to do that, go to Jesus. And and when your sin leads you to mercy, when your sin, I am a great sinner, I need your help, God. When your sin leads you to Jesus, eventually the evil one will stop attacking you there. And so to really grow in that ability uh, to then know, ah, I have a mission in this world. And isn't that what every person is looking for? The belief that they have a part you watch this movie and you want to be one of those members of the fellowship. 
Who doesn't want to believe they have a part? And usually we spend our time like worried, well, I'm not like uh, Frodo. How come I didn't get the lead role? Or I'm not like the elf. How come I'm not a sharpshooter? Or how come I'm not like the the dwarf and strong and mighty? Or how, you know, instead to realize, no, I have a part. I have a part to play. And everyone wants to, I think, every person, when they discover they have a mission, comes alive. And that mission isn't just merely the things I'm doing each day. The things I'm doing each day are the way in which that mission is being revealed to me over time. And uh, so know there's evil in the world, know yourself, Mm -hmm. and know that there's a mission. But you don't discover your mission by sitting on a chair. You discover your mission by getting out there and starting a journey. Right. It's uh, Teddy Roosevelt's uh, The Man in the Arena. I don't know if you ever heard that, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it's like, you got to be in the arena. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you can be a spectator in the stands if you want, and it it's easier. I, I don't know if it's more fulfilling, but it sometimes can be easier. You know, it doesn't take courage. It doesn't take um, patience, whatever. But that idea that says life, my life is not a spectator sport. I have to be actively engaged in living it. Right. And that might be part of the problem our culture's in, is we're very much spectators in everyone else's lives. And so it's easy for us to be critical. It's easy for us to just throw things at people uh, because we're just spectating all of this and we're not living our own life. I think also we saw in the movie, you know, Sam, uh, there's that moment when they're leaving the Shire and Sam's like stops and he's like, this next step is the furthest I've ever been from home. And this real sort of thing that each person has to sort of step out of that which sort of your family provided for you. Like as you're being raised in your family, you're given all these things and these identities. But at some point you almost have to step out of it on your own to really begin to discover who are you in the midst of that. And I think sometimes people out of fear never really step out of anything that's comfortable, anything that's familiar with them because they're afraid of what's out there. They're afraid of where it's going to lead them. Uh, it's so much easier to stay where, where the identity is known. And then I think it's also one of the things I found really kind of funny. It's kind of a quick scene, at least in this movie is the elves are given everybody things, uh, for the adventure. Uh, and Sam gets a rope (laughs) and he, and, and the other two get knives and he's like, well, I wanted a knife. Uh, and again, I think this real challenge, like sometimes God gives you something (laughs) And he gives you a rope, and you're like, well, I don't want a rope. Yeah. <laughs> I want a knife. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and so that real challenge, like <laughs> like when something has been given to you and it's not what you wanted, like what is your response? Like do we trust that God knows why this has been given to me and that? But it was just so funny because he's watching these other ones get these great knives, and then he's like, a, a rope? Like, I wanted a knife. So I – uh as we wrap up here, the first half hour of Rutten Radio, uh, we are grateful that you have joined us here. We're going to come back after the short break, support our sponsors for the last half hour of Rutten Radio as we talk about the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. We'll be right back. And we're back with Rutten Radio <laughs> on the Real Presence Network, your local and regional Catholic media network for all things awesome. You can catch us on Facebook if you'd like to, like to interact with us, Rutten Radio. You can kind of send us a message, shoot us some comments, let us know if you're out there listening and where you're listening from. Uh, Father Paul, we are now uh, have a, finally actually fully arrived, and we are a podcast. We have our own 
app. You can get it at any of your well, personal app stores. Technically, it's not our own app. So we are <laughs> on podcast apps. apps. So iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Alexa. For all those. Uh, Sorry. Yeah. It's, no, that's your, Joe and I are the baby. spirit. Yeah. <laughs> Father Paul is the one who actually creates no, clarity. No, no, no. Clarity. Okay, maybe clarity. Uh, that's anyway. outstanding. Well, for the first half hour, we've been talking about our movie of the month here for September. And that was Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. And we were just kind of wrapping up some of our thoughts and themes around that movie. Fantastic movie. I graded it out as a top A. And Father Paul, you were thinking about kind of some of the themes and you were talking about... Yeah, no, I mean, it's evident. We could talk forever on the movie. Evident that friendship is crucial to this story. Uh, the friendship of, of Sam and Frodo, uh, just different friendships throughout. Uh, even Gandalf's relationships with people. Uh, and the importance of friendship uh, and that real need for friends. Because even in the movie, there's a, a part where uh, Frodo is going to just go by himself uh, and Sam nearly kills himself <laughs> because he's not going to leave him. Like that real sense of friendship. And I think that's an important thing, especially in our day and age today, uh, just that real need for friends, real friends, friendship, uh, and what it takes to really be a friend. Mm. What it takes to be a friend. That is worth talking a little bit more about, especially, especially in light of COVID, like just having children that were in school, like, man, yeah. was it important for him to get back to school? Like yeah. it was, it, I mean, I'm an educator. It was not because they need to learn their algebra their two plus twos or whatever mm -hmm. they're learning at second. They need to see their friends. Yeah. Like it is a vital importance. And I think it's in some ways exposed a little bit um, Western education that's become very utilitarian. And we almost don't even look and say education is a maybe turned into almost a commodity in the West and in America where it's about like inputting information to get output of a certain exam score on a test in order to get scholarships for college, to get your degree, to get a job. Like education is about becoming a fuller human person and friendship is like one of the fundamental ways in which that occurs. And my child or children can't do that at home with me. <laughs> they need their brothers and sisters, right? They need other children. They need other humans. Now it does happen with adults, right? But mm -hmm. point being education has a real value. And it's not just simply because I need my kid to learn the stars or the planets. I need my kid to be in relationship with others and it's that friendship. And I'm telling you, my eight-year-old, the worst part of COVID was not being able to see his friends. Yeah. Hands down. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No, there were a lot of kids that really struggled. Uh, they just, they would cry, like, because they couldn't see their friends. Like, right. And just... you're at a parish, you're at a Catholic parish, St. Mary, with a school. Father John, you're at a parish where you've got families and children all over the place. What was your, uh, when you look at, like, circumstances of the pandemic, maybe not just from kids, but how did friendship play out? How, what values or blessings or things did you see come out of COVID that made you stop and say, wait a minute, we're missing something here. And friendship or relationships is a pretty important thing. I think it's what, uh, a couple of different things that I saw. One, we did zoom where we attempted to be able to be together via zoom. How'd that work? You know, it worked all right, uh, for a little bit. Um, and then we just sort of said, forget it, but I'd sounds bad, but I'd almost rather get sick and be with my friend than be sick mentally at home alone. Like, I think there really was this drive. Like 
Like, this is not good for us to not be together. Like, now it didn't mean that you mm. do risky things in the midst of it, but I think a lot of people just said, forget it. Uh, our friendship is too important. We're, we're, we're just going to get together. We'll sit six feet apart. We'll wear a mask, whatever we have to do, but we are going to be in the same room. Mm. Yeah, one of the things I found is how often we want to control other people and how freeing it was to realize I can't control other people. And so everybody's like free to do the things that they're going to do now. And I got another church group not connected to the parish and they just start doing whatever they want to do. And I was like, oh, I think this is what it was supposed to always be. Or, you know, I mean, they, they, some of them are want to meet and like, I can't tell them don't meet, you know, I, uh, so they went and met at a park and they did their social distancing or, and, or they didn't, I, I mean, I wasn't there. I wasn't invited. <laughs> so maybe they didn't. But like, we so want to control everything that one thing I found is like, you can't control all of this. And some people are going to have cautiousness and some people are going to have less. And, but we belong to people. And then what does it mean? And then what's the church's role in these kinds of circumstances? And I think it's to help us pay attention to ourselves and who we are and help us like live in front of this with a question, how is Christ relevant to this? And I think usually we approach faith as something mechanical as opposed to something that animates me or allows me to look at things more deeply. We look at Christianity or my Catholic faith and say, should I do this or should I not do this? And we then become exactly the opposite of what you said was so helpful to you as you grew up and mature. People that allowed you a place to speak and to look at it and then they'd give you a little advice maybe. Um, so I I found that it was very difficult, but it also has been on different times. In the beginning, it was great. Everybody was together, and it was new, and we could do it, and we could, and everybody had their plans. And then there was the stage where everybody's like, "Oh my gosh, I just had the first awesome dinner with my family. We're gonna do this more often now." And uh, or the bike rides. You know, I heard a lot of people talking about we got the bike rides going, and like family units experienced being together in a way they haven't in a long time. So it was really beautiful. All the sports were shut down for our kids, yeah. so everybody had to be together. But then that phase of like, okay. Okay, what's going on? Oh, well, we're going to go back to school. So then we started thinking forward, like, okay, school's coming back, and then what's going on? And now I really think we're in a more, I mean, school started, so that's helpful. But it's really difficult still. And I think we're in a more a place because people don't have the energy to stay together. People don't have the, um, uh, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I think yeah, yeah. now, and then, and then you don't know where people really are at. Everybody's putting their best foot forward, but you don't know if maybe somebody's really struggling. Or I think about the people we don't even see anymore. Oh, there are people yeah. that still yep. are like very close inside, and they and they need to be, they need to to stay there. Well, I I wonder about them. Like, do we attend to them? How do we reach them? What are we doing? But right, anyway. and so we are also in. South Dakota. So there's that <laughs> yeah. aspect to it too, yeah. right? Like yeah. of all the places in the, in the world you could be like, we might be in that place, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, we're in one of the best places that you can be. And yet, um, who in our lives is off the radar screen, uh, because maybe they're not attached to social media or they're not in our particular, uh, networks. But I think of the elderly, I think of mom who passed away right. last November, you know, and it's like, well, if mom was alive right now, um, how, what does that look like and feel like and how does that impact me? Well, there's thousands of people that I know that are going mm -hmm. through that right now with their mothers and their fathers, right? Yeah. Or their grandparents. Uh, you made an interesting point about control. I kind of, uh, I, I like, I love political theory and analysis and commentary and 
you know, Paul, you mentioned uh, social media that we're spectators of everybody else's life. And then you couple that with John's, our desire to control everybody else. And then you put that into the means by which we communicate with one another. And now we might have a little insight into why we struggle so much to communicate with each other on social media, right? All I'm doing is, if all I'm doing on social media is spectator to everybody else's life and I'm going to comment on it and control or tell them what they're supposed to think, feel, and do, that seems like a recipe for disaster. (laughs) And I think that's what we found, you know, is that, you know, we got to think deeper about how it is that if social media is a primary way in which we communicate with one another, we ought to be more reflective. We ought to be more thoughtful about how we're doing that. How do we go about it? What's the point of it? What's the purpose? In relationship to that, let's jump further into friendship. What do we uh, when we look at friendship, Father Paul? You talked a little bit about that uh, with um, the uh, the movie, right? The Fellowship of the Ring, and how important that is. And it just immediately made me think of Aristotle, right? That Aristotle gives us these different <laughs> forms of friendship. I, I do love that because the average person wouldn't say. When I think of friendship, I think of Aristotle. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Welcome to Joe you're Rutten. Right, you're right. Well, well keep going. They though. ought to think. No, but, but here's me people, controlling, the, telling them. No, no, no. You but ought there are to people who are like Aristotle. Aristotle well, that was right. not what I was right. <laughs> right, right. So Aristotle, right, as a humanities professor, we look at the classical way of living, the good life, and Aristotle has a lot, to, a lot to offer us. We could, we could dust it off and bring it back. Uh, and he talks about these three forms of friendship, but one of them is utility, that we have friends of utility, mm-hmm. and he doesn't judge them as negative. He's, he looks at them as types, yep. right? And there's different places for each of the types. One's utility, right? And these are friendships of people that provide us with something that's useful toward our life. Second is pleasure, that certain friendships may bring us pleasure. And we have those aspects, um, in our life. And then we have friendships of virtue. We have these deeper friendships that are about like, we would call it in Christian speak charity, right? That I desire your good and I'm attracted to you because of your good. What you mm-hmm. do for me, what you offer to me is this great example of how to live well and do well. And that's why I'm attracted to you. And I think in light of that, I have found personally that throughout my life, I've struggled with having the dominant friendships or the dominant relationships I have built around these three. Sometimes I seem to have built friendships that I gave a lot of time to that were utilitarian. For instance, as a, as a, a former drinker, right? I used to hit the pubs quite a bit, right? And, you know, when I quit drinking, I found that there was a number of people that I no longer saw anymore. Well, where did they go? Well, how come I never see him anymore? Well, maybe it's because he was a friend of utility. He was a drinking partner. He's a drinking buddy, right? And so that concept, I'm like, oh, well, I know what that means. And it wasn't bad. Those are wonderful people. I enjoy it. But that was a certain type of friendship, but it lacked a certain depth or level of impact that helped me become a better person in, in, in a long term, right. Or, or pleasure, right. That there are some people I really love hanging out with. They offer, you know, but they're not necessarily that it's not because they make me a better person, but I enjoy their company. Those friendships that I have, I found them to be fewer in number, but those friendships of people of real character or seeking, they share the same, uh, you know, John, you talked about mission, right. That, that we're on a mission. They share the same worldview and mission with me. They're like, I'm, I feel like I'm on a mission with them. 
And, and they encourage me like the fellowship of the ring to go about my life in a certain way that is healthy, that is rich, that is fulfilling. And boy, oh boy, w- am I blessed to have like a couple of those really good friendships now. And I look back and I say, you know what? I'd take those two over the 12 at the bar. And I love the ones at the bar. But anyway, that's a little bit. So Aristotle's three forms of friendship. I just thought that's worth thinking about. Who are the friends in our life? What do they fulfill for us? What types of friends are they? And do we have those good ones that are friends of character, that are seeking to be saints, seeking to be holy, seeking to be people of character that are good models for us? Yeah, I think this is the importance of mission work today is the church in a way where friendship becomes possible. And as a um, new parish, we see lots of places where people come into the parish and they haven't been connected before like they become. And because everyone's sort of in this like tenuous place, everybody's open in a way. But just like we were talking about with Rutten Radio, over time you can just kind of like, oh yeah, I know Father Paul. Oh yeah, I know Joe. And you just kind of keep turned inward in a way. But uh, parishes being places that are open to the other creates what people are really looking for when they come into a parish. Jesus is incarnate. Jesus is a, a person, is present in a people, not in like the mystical organization. We as Catholics believe in the tangible body of the church, just as the mystical body. And so are we living our lives aware that this is what we are seeking and what other people are seeking is a real friendship with people. And a lot of times it's easy. Like, do we have all the right programs? Do we have all the things we got uh, this and we got that? Yep. You should join that group. Yep. That group would be for you. But you know what? If they don't come into that and find friendship, then it's not going to be what they look for. And I wonder how many parishes are set up in a way where friendship, what they really want is happening outside of the groups, the churches making happen or the the times where within the group you see oh this is really good that i didn't choose the group myself so i have like a discipleship group or i have this you know a place where the church created a community and i come in and i kind of get to be open to friendship and i get to see people i would have never chosen and and this is really the reality of the church is the church is a place where Jesus chose those disciples. And I love in that series, The Chosen, where everyone chooses to follow Jesus, but then they end up in this band of brothers that they're like, wait a minute, why'd you let that one in? You know. <laughs> so to have a place in our lives where not everyone is like my liking, because oftentimes those are the people that most cause me to have to look at myself, to grow, to mature. And so in time... Um, I think friendship is essential to the nature of the church, to Christianity, and in our parishes are what people are really seeking um, is they're looking for a meaningful life. And it's been beautiful as a founding pastor to see like people become friends and they're like, oh my gosh, I got the best friends and I'd have never known them if it weren't for the parish and da 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 and, uh, Really, really incredible. And I think young people too, you know, young people. So are, are you telling for- me that I'm supposed to see the face of Christ in you two hooligans? <laughs> well, so there's, uh, it, it, you know, the face of God. So you talk about the face of God sometimes, John. And I'm always like, the face of God. I kind of make a joke out of it a little yes, bit. Yes, I, I recognize. I probably shouldn't. <laughs> no, you when shouldn't. When I get to the pearly gates, our God Lord will be like, not to see, be this is the face your brother had been talking about. <laughs> uh, 
Interestingly enough, though, if we are seeking the face of God and we find Christ in the body incarnate of ourselves, um, and an interesting exchange with somebody as we started school, we're talking. Everybody's talking about masks, right? And how, you know, the struggle with communication and all these types of things. And and it just hit me. It's like, yes, the eyes are the window to the soul, but the face, the face is the picture of the person. You put the mask on, it is different, man. I'm telling you, teaching is really hard with masks on kids. Anybody, it's hard to talk to somebody with a mask on, right? It's like their face isn't, it, the eyes alone don't work. You can see the soul through them maybe, but man, do you need the rest of it. And it just made me, you know what, how powerful the face is, the full face. And it just got me thinking every time now I'm like, all right, I better stop messing with John on his face of God comment because I think he's right. Uh, how much value there is in the face uh, when we do communicate with, what how do we call friends? How do we account for the fact that the saints loved the leper and the saints, you know, St. Francis or Mother Teresa saw Jesus in those on the side of the road? I think we have a false sense of beauty that my, my, there's a, the, there's an understanding within theology. And I, I don't even know who subscribes to it, but that Jesus was ugly. Like that our, oh. our we, we want Jesus to be a good looking man. Well, why? What judgment do we have? Like, is, is he going to look like the way we, you know, there's this theology that says, well, Jesus wasn't, you know, the perfect man. Um, I think, I think in some ways what I do uh, like about that is that idea that says I have to be careful of a false interpretation of what true beauty is and that, you know, beauty might actually be found deeper in the leper or in the person on the side of the road if I have, if, if I have the wisdom of God, right? Man's wisdom is not my wisdom, he says, and that maybe I'm missing something when I see the, the leper that I'm looking for a physical beauty, and because of it, I'm missing something deeper. Um, that's that's my mm. initial thought. Yeah, great. Just thought I'd take a little rabbit hole. Right, right, right. Paul! Uh, I, I said this a couple weeks ago. I was listening to a podcast, and the guy said what the Catholic Church needs is an apostolate of friendship. And we really don't do friends friendship well. That The evangelical churches are much better at trying to build friendships and relationships and, and really a social life that goes along with the dimension of our spiritual life as well. Uh, and so I think you're, I, I do think we're right. Like this real challenge of like, how do I make friends? You know, like usually we're forced to make friends because we're in a new situation. We're in a new place. I mean, very, I shouldn't say that. there are people who love to make friends, uh, but like this, having to constantly make new friends and new friends it is a lot of work, and so when we become comfortable, we don't necessarily want. Um, or we think that every friend has to be my best friend. And to also be able to realize, I think, at times, uh, the different uh, levels, even just of how deep you know, and, and personal are these uh, friendships that we have as well. I would 100% agree with you on that. I find that within homeschooling communities, I find that within... Uh, ministries like Net Ministries in St. Paul or St. Paul's Outreach or Catholic Studies, the department program I was a part of at the University of St. Thomas, um, even within colleges, Steubenville and different places like that, 
that there is a true, I believe that there is a Christian-based friendship that is a, a culture that's developed there that's not present just anywhere. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think that it's just present for, say, at O'Gorman because O'Gorman's a Catholic school. No, can O'Gorman facilitate friendship? Yes, 100% it can. Mm-hmm. Is it the same type of friendship that's rooted in character and virtue like Aristotle talked or that Christian community like Christ speaks about that calls us together? I wouldn't just say yes, just because it it's a Catholic school. Sure. I would say it could possess that if the culture and the community of people within it are actively cultivating the soil from which we spring forth and young people and friendships spring forth. But I'll tell you, it's one of the greatest gifts I was ever given was... I, I got in some trouble, and uh, Archbishop Carlson at the time, Bishop Carlson, said, you know, Joe, maybe you need a little help, you know, with this character thing. You know, instead of being a character, you need to be around people that develop your character. <laughs> and he said, he shipped me off to St. Paul's Outreach. He shipped me off to St. Paul. I didn't know anybody. I, I, you were in seminary, Paul, at St. Right. Thomas at the time. It's the only person I knew. Steve Castle had lived in the house the summer before I move in, and I move in with nine Catholic guys from all walks of life. And it's like a household setup. I I, pay, I was paying them too. I was paying them to tell me what to do. I couldn't drink because I wasn't 21. That was the first time in my, probably shouldn't say it, but first time in my life I was told I couldn't drink, you know, by somebody. Well, he's the guy that runs the house. He's like, well, you're not 21. Of course you can't drink. What, what do you mean? I can't do whatever I want. <laughs> all of a sudden I had somebody in my life that wasn't a friendship of pleasure. That wasn't a friendship of utility. And started to cultivate in me a sense that there's a different way to live. There's a different way to to cultivate a fulfilling life. And I didn't know anybody. Afterward, I go, I look back now, and when I got married, I had one of my room, my bunk mate, Peter oh, wow. da, Peter Dachdach. God bless Lebanon, by the way. Prayers for Lebanon. Peter's Lebanese. That's why I think sure. of it. Man, are they in a tough spot. So Peter Dada is in my wedding. I don't see Peter. I see Peter once a year. And when we see him, it's an immediate bond. It's like we never left, right? Mm-hmm. Just like the fellowship of the ring. Because our friendship was based in character, a mutual desire for the good of the other. And all of a sudden I found that life can be absolutely lived as an adventure, these guys were attractive, fun. Everything I wanted people to be in a man that I wanted to be my friend. But they were people that were seeking to be good, to, to live well. But they rock climbed, they played football, they were all these different things. Holy smokes. And that was the fundamental thing that changed. I realized that there's a different way to live. And it was based on good friendships. From that point on, I have always looked differently at how I cultivate the people that I call friends and and spend a lot of time with. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Who are those friends? If you're out there listening to Rutten Radio here, we're winding down in this last half hour of uh, September, and we're talking about friendship. And in your own life, the value of friendship, who are those friends that you have? Why do you have certain friends? I think that's a fascinating thing. Sometimes we just end up with friends because like they live next door to us or mm-hmm. we are in yoga class with them or something. I don't I don't know. But do you ever find that um in your own lives that you've had to like make decisions about friendships? People that you do spend time with or don't spend time with or have you stopped saying, you know what, maybe or is it just something where you just kind of look around today and you're like, "Oh, this just happens to be the people that I hang out with." 
I think for me, one of the challenges as a priest is trying to balance that, uh, that I don't always get to just do stuff with my friends uh, in the parish, that I really do need to, to reach out, cultivate. Um, now I can still have friends, uh, but there really does need to be this sense of being open uh, and accessible to everyone, uh, at least to some degree, uh, and to really try to, to come to know them and to be able to see the gift that they hold. I sometimes see for some of us as priests, we can we find a few families, few people we really like, we're really good, close with them, and then we just sort of shut down. Uh, and then the rest of the parish just sort of gets the second best. Father John, closing thoughts or comments on friendship? Yeah, I think what you said here is helpful for me, utility, pleasure, virtue. I mean, right. friendship is not easy, and right. uh, I don't think, I don't know, my experience is uh, sometimes you don't even realize until you're older that you're just starting right. um, on sure. figuring those things out. And uh, But my guess would be a lot of people, I don't know, yeah, it's utility, pleasure, and virtue. I think reordering people in your life right. to flourish. Sure. Um, well, as we wrap up here, uh, why don't we do so as always for the month of September with the Rutten Family Prayer together. Our Father, Our Father we, we thank, thank you for your love and for your many blessings, especially for the precious gift of each other. Help us to show our gratitude by loving each other as you love us. Make us understanding and patient with one another, quick to admit our failings and ask forgiveness, generous in sharing the joy and strength we can give each other. Father, give our family lively faith and the courage to share with those around us. Direct us to the state and life you plan for each of us and help us to use your gifts to serve you. We entrust our family to your fatherly care. Preserve us from the corruption of the modern world and help us draw closer daily to you and to each other until we come to share with you the joys of heaven. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help us to be a holy family. Amen. Thanks for joining us here again on Rutten Radio in the month of September. We look forward to joining you on the first Wednesday of every month on the Real Presence Network. And our next movie review will be Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. We look forward to having you join us. Peace and God bless.